passionate about baptism. And, 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 he, and he, uh, he said to me, he wanted me to talk about baptism today. And so I, uh, my wife told me I need to warn you. I'm going to give you a whole lot of verses today. Because uh, part of it, I want you to see like God is building something and it's really important to get the foundations right. And, and I want you to see, I want to show you, and it was even a surprise to me, how important baptism is in the New Testament. Like this is the foundation. You haven't, you haven't even started till you've nailed this thing. And it's like, this is the foundation on which everything else builds. So I just want to, I want to go through the book of Acts and I want to sh- like just take a deep breath or something. I'm going to throw all these passages at you and, and show you like how important baptism was to them. And part of it is like, I find when, when I read something in the Bible and it doesn't, it's like, I don't kind of see it like that. It's like, you, guess who's got a shift? It's like, what do they, what do they see that I'm not getting? And so the first thing I want you to get, first of all, is go, man, they saw this as a lot more important than I do. And then the second question is, why did they see it's more important? And I just want to challenge you, I'm going to be talking about baptism tonight again, different message, but same theme. If you know young people that need to get baptized, bring them along tonight. I'll explain it a bit more pictures, you know, user-friendly than, than, I am assuming you're all kind of clever, bright people. So you ready? We're just going to plunge. I'm going to show you a whole lot of passages from the um, cartoon version tonight. I'm going to show you a whole lot of passages. Pastor Esther, well, you know, you know, let's not go there. A um, uh, whole lot of passages from the book of Acts about baptism. So, And it's kind of like the cumulative weight. So the first one might be, oh yeah, whatever. But just, just go with it. Is that all right? So the first one's this. Uh, Acts chapter 8. This persecution breaks out in Jerusalem. Philip goes down to Samaria and revival breaks out. He's proclaiming Jesus. The crowds heard him. Signs and wonders are happening. They played close attention. Verse 7, with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. Many were paralyzed or lame were healed. There was great joy in that city like revival broke out in the city. And so what is he does? This, but when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. See, there's something. When they believed, they got baptized. There was somehow they understood when you believe in Jesus, the thing that you do is you get baptized. Like, that's the next step. Uh, it's not, you're probably not that convinced yet, but you're going to get there, okay? So next, later on in the chapter, I want to show you a number of kind of long incidents. Some of you will know this story. Philip, after he's done this, he, he, uh, the angel tells him to go down to this desert road. He meets this Ethiopian important government official. Uh, and the, the guy had come to Jerusalem to worship on his way home, sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah. The spirit told Philip, go up to the chariot and stay near it. So Philip runs up to the chariot. Here's the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? How can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invites Philip up to come and sit with him. This is the passage that he's reading from Isaiah about one like a sheep like the slaughter, as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before its shearers is silent. And, and the eunuch said, tell me, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Phil, this is the thing. This is one I want you to get. Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Now, I don't know what you think you would say if you were telling someone the good news about Jesus, but notice what happened next. See, this... As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the guy just said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? I don't know how you explain the gospel, but when I do it, it doesn't end up with people go, here's a stream. We should just do this now. <laughs> but, but 
got something. That's what, do you see what I mean? He explained, and this guy got it. The next step for me to do is get back. I need to do this thing. Here's a river. Let's just do it now. So he orders his chariot to stop. Both Philip and the guy go down into the water. Philip baptizes them. When they come out of the water, the Spirit just suddenly catches Philip away. But there's like, what did Philip say that this guy got it? Man, I believe you. I got to get baptized. We need some people who go, I believe in Jesus. I got to get baptized. We need a church that says, people believe in Jesus, they've got to get baptized. And we go, yeah, that's the very next thing. You know, the, in the next chapter, Saul, who becomes Paul, he was persecuting the church. Uh, and so he gets this letter, he's heading down to Damascus to persecute the church. Verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, falls to the ground. Here's a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why did you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. So the men traveling them with him are speechless. They heard the sound, did not see anyone. Paul got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he could not see. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. But notice this. This will be important for later on. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. He's just lying there, just like totally stunned. His whole world's been turned upside down. He's blind, and he can't even eat or drink. Then... God speaks to this guy, Ananias, Ananias, yes, Lord, go to this house, meet this guy, Saul, um, and you'll pray for him, and he'll be healed. Ananias isn't very keen. It's like, I've heard this guy. He's a bad guy. And, and God says, no, no, go. He's my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. I'll show him how much he must suffer. Now, here's the thing. Ananias goes to the house, enters it, placing his hands on Saul. He says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice this. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. You get this. Three days, he hasn't eaten or drank anything. I Googled it last night. After two days of not drinking, you're in trouble. After three days, you're going to have some serious health issues. He hasn't eaten or drank anything for three days. Instantly, he's healed. He needs to eat to regain strength. But between doing that, he got up and was baptized. That, like, don't, like, he, like, what is that about? Seriously. After, like, this is more important than eating and drinking. I haven't, I'm with, I got it but I gotta get baptized. Some of you are like, why is that so important? Just hold that thought. <laughs> but that's a good thought. Isn't that a crazy story? He got up and was baptized. And then, after taking some food, he regained his, imagine how weak he was. He probably just about drowned in that thing. He didn't, I mean, he was really tired and weak but he thought it was important. Acts chapter 16, they go out to the outside the city. Um, by the way, those of you who are in Mary, Mary, and heard the story about Luke and blah, 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 that all comes from this, if you notice, we. There's three passages in Luke where it changes from they to we, and that's the idea Luke was around with Paul. Is that right? Okay, bit of a tangent. But on the Sabbath, we went outside the city to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who'd gathered there. One of them listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. That means she's a really wealthy businesswoman. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, okay? So she hears the gospel. She's they're having a little picnic by the river. She hears the gospel. Wealthy woman will be dressed in lots of nice clothes. 
Verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you considered me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. But between the invitation home for a meal and hearing the gospel, it's like, we just got to get baptized. Here's a river. Let's do this thing. Oh, really? Like, there's a pattern here, people, that they have a sense of urgency. When I hear the gospel, when I believe in this thing, before I do anything else, I get baptized. Like, this is important. Um, this, is a, this is another, inter- well, I think it's interesting. Acts chapter 16, about midnight. Again, that's important. This is late in the middle of the night. Paul and Silas are in prison. They're praying and singing hymns to God. The other prisoners are listening to them. Suddenly, there's a violent earthquake, the prison's shaken, the doors fly open, everyone's chains come off, the jailer wakes up. When he sees the prison doors open, he drew his sword, about to kill himself. He thought the prisoners had escaped. Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Jailer calls for lights, rushes in, he brought them out, and he says this, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And so they explain, well, you believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. So they preached the gospel. Listen to this. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them. He washed their wounds. They'd been beaten with rods, not just with sticks or canes, with rods. They were, they were badly hurt. He, he washed their wounds this. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Then the jailer brought them into his house, set a meal before them. Before them. He's filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God, he and his old household. Seriously, remember sometime around midnight, like this is two or three o'clock in the morning, massive significant move of God's happened, got to share the gospel. He's like, we've got to do this now. Someone find a bathtub, fill that thing. We're going to get baptized like three o'clock in the morning. Then we'll go out and celebrate, but there's a middle thing. We've got to get baptized. Like this is more important than we think. Well, it was back then. Acts chapter 18. Paul left the synagogue, went next door to the house of Titius, worshiper of God, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. Many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. This is what you do, people, in the New Testament. Interesting, right at the end of the book of Acts, Paul gives his own account of that incident where he got saved, and this is what he said. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews. He stood beside me and he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see. Then he said this, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know as well and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be as witnesses to all people of what you've seen and heard. This. How do you like this? The guy has been lying there, hasn't eaten for three days, been blind. His whole world's been turned upside down. This guy doesn't have a great pastoral ministry. He says, now what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Like, what are you doing lying there? Get up. Let's do this thing. Come on. You need to get baptized, Paul. If you've come to understand Jesus, if you've come to believe in him, the next thing you need to do, come on, man, get up. We've got to get you baptized. Don't you think that's odd? I don't know about you, but I like, I teach Bible stuff. When I read through this, I was surprised. Like, I didn't realize that they thought it was so important, so urgent, so significant that when you believe, when there's a move of God and people believe, the very next thing they need to do is they need to get baptized. 
And it's about, so Pastor Sam's absolutely right. Like, after an incredible season of God doing amazing things, we've got to have a massive baptism Sunday. We've got to hold this in all the service. We've got to get people baptized. Because until we've done that, we haven't done it properly. We haven't got people started properly. Because this is the foundation of everything. So you go, where did they get the idea that this was so important? Well, if you go right back to the book of the start of the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, this is the original move of God. Day of Pentecost come, they're all together, that sound like the blowing of a violent wind. You know, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire, all of them filled with the Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. Massive move of God. You know, so there's this massive crowd reaction. All these people gather around, verse 6, when they heard the sound, the crowd comes together in bewilderment. Each one heard utterly amazed. They're asking, what's going on? Peter stands up and preaches the gospel. And here's the key point. This is where he lands his message. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, crucified both Lord and Christ. Jesus is Lord. Do you believe that? And then they go... When the people heard this, they cut to the heart and said to Peter, what do we do? What do you do when you get a revelation that God is true, that Jesus is, what do you do about that? And Peter has a really clear instruction, which explains the rest of the book of Acts. Repent means change your mind in light of this, and what? And be baptized. That's what you do when you believe. That's, what, that's the thing that you do to express, I now see this thing. I believe this thing. I'm going to get baptized. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, so here's the thing. I think that we often miss. We just kind of, because we don't get it, it just slides. We go, oh, yeah, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell. They spoke in tongues. And 3,000 were added, saved. Is that what you think happened, if you know the story? Well, look at it a bit more closely. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. There was a massive baptism service on Pentecost. 3,000 people didn't sign on the card. 3,000 people went through the waters and got baptized. And that's how the church started. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, and so later on, yeah, then they devote themselves to the teaching and the fellowship. But first of all, like, we've got to start this on the right foundation. The foundation is 3,000. Imagine that. Suddenly, a move of God, they think, like, we've got to find some water to put 3,000 people through. That's going to be a real slick on the slime on the top of that water by the end day. Like, that's going to be, it's like, we've got to find this. We've got to make this happen. So, so do you get that? All of Acts is about people believe, and so they get baptized. Where did that start? Well, it started on the day of Pentecost. What do we do? Well, you repent, you believe, and you get baptized. Where did they get that from? We'll go back to Jesus at the end of his ministry. This is a phenomenal passage. Are you all right? This is lots of verses, eh? Some of the like, right? But um, this, like, these verses are full of like big picture words. So Jesus, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Like massive. Go, make disciples of all nations. Miss that a little bit for a minute. You know, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Trinity. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Like, this is like massive, massive language. And right in the middle of it, go and make disciples, and you've got to baptize them. Baptism is a big thing to Jesus. 
It's right up there with the end of the age and all authority and making disciples of all nations and teaching them to obey and the centerpiece. How people respond to the gospel is you get baptized. And that's why this is so significant. This is not like, oh, a nice little afterthought. This is where a whole move of God lands. Look at all those people getting baptized. Why did, so have I convinced you that it's a big deal? in the Bible? The question is, why is it a big deal? Why did they make baptism such a big deal? Here's the answer, because they thought becoming a Christian was a big deal. Becoming a Christian is not accessorizing Jesus into your life. It's not like, well, I'll try Jesus and for a few days, and then I'll try something. No, no, becoming a Christian is a radical, radical change. Romans 6, don't you know all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of Father, we, may too, we too may live a new life. Becoming a Christian is not accessorizing Jesus into your life. Becoming a Christian is my old life has ended and I start a new supernatural life in Jesus. And that's why baptism is so important, because it's a statement that my old life is over and God has given me a new, resurrected, supernatural life in Jesus. And that becomes the foundation of everything. The message of Easter is Christ died and Christ rose again. Baptism is where you choose to align your life with that story. This is a radical thing. I, my life has died with him, and I start, have a new life. Going under the water is a symbol like my old life is over, and when I come out of the water, I, come, I stand a new resurrection, supernatural life in Jesus. And until people have that got that, they haven't understood the significance of becoming a Christian. And that's why baptism is so important. And so when they talk about baptism, it's not like it's not a nice little dunk. It's about this is an identification with death and life. The old is gone. New is started. So Romans chapter 6, if we've been united with him in death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. This is radical business. This is death of the end. All of that life that's broken and held in bondage is finished, and new supernatural life is starting. And that's how people respond to the gospel. Again, Colossians 2, having been buried with him in baptism. Do you know what you're doing in two weeks' time if you get baptism? That's like a burial. The old is finished. All those things you've never been able to get free of, that shame that's held on to your life, that guilt, that bondage, it's being buried. And you come out of there a new person with God's supernatural life at work in you. You know, I love Colossians 2. Since you died with Christ, we talk a lot about Jesus died for me. The message of baptism is, no, you die with him. I don't know if that didn't go down so well. Because we like accessory. Oh, he died for you, so now you can have this little accessory eternal life. No, 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 that's not how it works. He died so that you could join in with that and your old broken life can finish and new life can start. 
And the amazing thing in this passage, it's not just the life of sin or whatever, it's the life of religion and the bondage to religion. You died also to the stuff that's all about rules and do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Those rules, you died to that as well. You're free. You're free both from sin and you're free from religion. You're free to live a new supernatural life in Jesus. And that's why we do it. You know, Galatians, in Christ Jesus, you're children of God through him. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. You're now a new person. You're Jesus. You're clothed with Jesus. You're not that person anymore. That's why baptism in his event, it seals like it's finished. And, and you might be thinking, like some people are like, what? Like, how's this? I got baptized. I'm already baptized. How's this relevant for me? Here's the deal. This is why it's so important as a foundation, because Paul goes on to say this. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. See, here's the deal. Baptism is the event. Every day of the rest of your life, you just outwork that. This part of my life that still reeks of the old, I've got to die to it. I've got to step into newness of life tomorrow. I've got to keep dying to it. I've got to step into newness of life. I've got to die to it. The same dynamic that you start with is the dynamic that you go on. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you have one task. Live out your baptism in a new way tomorrow. Walk into something new. See, the Bible talks about three tenses of salvation. The part, I was saved from the penalty of sin. But present, I am being saved from the power of sin. The future, I will be saved from the presence of sin. But the same dynamic that gets you saved is the dynamic that keeps the salvation growing in your life. Die to the past, step into newness of life. Die to the past, step into newness of life. And one day, either when you die or when Jesus returns, there's a final death to everything and a total beginning in newness of life, completely free. But right now, your task tomorrow is just to live it out. If you want an example, the past. By grace, you have been saved. Present tense, 1 Corinthians. But to us who are being saved. Future tense, Romans 13. But now is your salvation nearer than when we believe. I, w I have been saved. My baptism is an example of that. But I am in a process of being transformed by the same dynamic as baptism. And one day, I'm going to be completely new in Jesus. Maybe I can get the musicians back up. And so if you've already been baptized, it's like that's why that's the foundation for church because I don't care whether you got baptized last week or 30 years ago. Tomorrow morning you face the same challenge. Live out your baptism. Live out the dynamic of your baptism. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 6, we know that our old self was crucified. And Galatians 5, last one, just to sum it up. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. These wonderful things happen in your life, but how do they happen? Verse 24, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You've got one job. By the power and the leading of the Spirit, choose to keep dying to what you know is part of your history and doesn't belong to your future and choose to keep stepping into your future of the newness in God. That's why Pastor Sam has nailed it to go, two weeks' time, we're going to have a massive baptism Sunday. So I've got two questions for you. If you haven't been baptized, go back to the story of the Ethiopian. What can stand in the way of you, my being baptized? You've got two weeks to answer that question. What's stopping you being baptized? Why wouldn't you? Because if you get this, 
this is the foundation. This is the declaration to God, to the devil, to yourself, to your family and friends. My old life is finished and I have a new life in Jesus. What's stopping you being baptized? Out at the help desk, you can sign up now. Two weeks' time, it's going to be a massive Sunday. This is the celebration, guys. This is where we celebrate a move of God with massive baptism. If you haven't been baptized, what's stopping you? But I love what Pastor Reggie did at the end of last Sunday. He, you know, he called to people to engage their will, but then he also said, hey, if you know people who need to respond, why don't you take a risk and ask them? So here's my other challenge. If you, this is what this guy Ananias did. Like, this was the question here. What are you waiting for, Paul? Well, I can barely get off the bed because I haven't eaten and drink for three days. But he's like, what are you waiting for, Paul? Come on, get up and be baptized. Maybe you've got people in your e-group. Maybe you know people who, who've they've made a commitment, but it's like, come on, you've got to put the, found, the right foundation in place. Come on, what, what are you waiting for? And if there are issues, sort them out. But what are you waiting for? Come on, can I invite you to stand? Come on, we want to see a move of God, but do you know what? Jesus builds his church, and he builds it on foundations. I'm going to talk about that tonight, about this. And the foundation is baptism, because that's the foundation for your life. You've got to get the foundation right. You've got to get the foundation right, and then you choose to live out that foundation each day for the rest of your life. We're going to sing a song, uh, hopefully in a minute. These guys are going to come out. That, that little refrain, it's an old song, I've decided to follow Jesus. As we sing this, I, w- I want you to revisit the foundation. Come on, if you haven't been baptized, if you've decided to follow Jesus, the next thing you need to do, thank, thank goodness we're not the book of Acts, otherwise we'd go and sign some water now. I don't want you to do that. I want you to sign up for two weeks' time. Okay, if you've decided to follow Jesus and you haven't been baptized, you decide, I'm going to build the right foundation. If you're thinking of people you know who've decided and haven't followed Jesus, I want you to challenge them. What are you waiting for? Come on, because you haven't put the foundation in place yet. And if you have been baptized, come on, how are you going to live this out tomorrow? I've died with Christ and I have a new life in Christ. Come on, we're going to sing this song. I've decided to follow.